This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here, and welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Thank you for joining, joining us in this journey, and today we have Sandy England back in the studio, and Sandy leads our wives' ministry. She leads our groups for women, our phone conference groups. So these aren't just in-person groups. We do a lot of phone groups all over the U.S. and Canada, and we have people calling in from outside of the U.S. too, and she also does individual counseling, and great, great lady to talk to. She's been a warrior and a part of a ministry for nearly, I think, eight years now. And so, Sandy, welcome back. Thank you. So I want to jump right in and and, uh, ask Sandy some unscripted questions. She doesn't know what I'm going to answer, so I want her unfiltered responses (laughs) without preparation. And we get emails from wives complaining that um, the revelation has been made that their husband is struggling with porn or sex addiction. And the wife is saying that the husband refuses to get help. And Sandy, so what would you say to both husband and wife in that situation? Mm. Wow. Um, Well, the husband, we can't force the husband to even identify or admit he has a problem. So that puts the wife in a very difficult situation. She needs to possibly learn about setting boundaries and identifying that these behaviors are not her fault. There's just so much involved there. Um, I would definitely encourage her to have someone to talk to that's safe um, and identify what she's feeling, what she's going through. And as she grows in that, be you know, identifying what she is and what she needs to do, she grows in strength to set good, healthy boundaries, good, healthy, um, I don't know, protection, um, and then to start praying up for her husband that God puts conviction in his heart, puts people in his path um, so that he could start getting healing. But the biggest thing is the wife to realize that her journey, her pain is hers to take and do and give it to the Lord so she can heal the husband. Do a lot of women struggle with the idea that their husband's porn addiction is their fault? And what does that look like? Oh, yes. A lot of times they do. It's like, well, he blames me. If I did this, he wouldn't do porn. If I change this, he wouldn't do porn. It's my fault because I'm busy. He does porn. Um, That's a big lie. He's doing porn because, or whatever he's doing, it's not just porn, it's lusting or it's alcohol or, or several different things. 
It's his choice. We can't make them do it or not do it. So we need to stop buying into that lie right away because that's the enemy trying to tear us down. And so what, what part of this do you think has to do with spiritual warfare? Oh, geez, everything. Um, spiritual warfare, if we start buying into the fact that it's our fault, we can change things, we need to focus on them and you know change who we are, we're buying into lies. So we're being brought into that war. We're being brought into... Um, we can't fight for ourselves or him if we're being brought into being attacked with self-doubt, self-loathing, self-whatever. Um, so it's all spiritual welfare. The enemy is probably also saying to them, oh, she'll never trust you. She'll never believe you. This is just a little slip up. Porn isn't like having an affair. So he's buying into lies. The whole thing is a destruction of the marriage. Both are being hammered with lies. And if they buy into them, then they can't focus on the truth. In your working with other women, do you encounter women who are totally unaware of the spiritual battle? Yes, all the time. They, uh, they kind of think it's like, I don't know, Dungeons and Dragons or something, that it's just fairy tale. It's not real until they start really walking it. And then they could see the attacks. They could see the lies they're buying into. When we're told to take every thought captive, I think that's the biggest thing that happens with a lot of wives is they actually start saying, oh, that can't be of God. I'm believing this. This is not of God. Mm -hmm. And then they start understanding what spiritual warfare may look like for them. So are you seeing that a lot of people aren't being equipped with spiritual warfare in the church? I would say yes. I would say, again, people don't understand it or don't um, believe that it's real. So how could they be equipped? And if the churches aren't even talking about or even ministry leaders aren't talking about how real it is, how can you let people realize and defend themselves against those attacks and those lies and the deception? Mm. So I don't think that I don't think a lot of people are equipped to handle it or teach about it or walk with it. Yeah, I've got a friend of mine who I've known who's been in church for at least 20 years and we were talking about 6 months ago and he told me and I was telling him about the spiritual warfare we encounter in this ministry in fact the three of us, as we were walking in here this morning, we all felt drained and wiped out. And that's usually what happens right before an event like this where we're ready to go open with things, especially about this topic. But what really shocked me was when he told me he didn't even think that spiritual warfare existed. And this is a guy who's been in church for two decades. So what stunned me is that why are we not equipping people to realize there is an intense spiritual battle all around us and so husband and wives if you're listening to this not all of what you're going through is about misunderstandings there's all it takes is for one the enemy to plant one thought in your head and if you run with that you're going down so isn't part of part of it helping them to discern what's of them and what's of from the enemy and then what to do with that I think so, at least with the ladies that 
you know, have gone through the groups, a lot of times if we have a doubt or we have a fear or something that we have not taken care of or taken to the cross to work on to learn discernment, I think the enemy picks up that and just keeps picking, picking, picking until we are so focused on that that we are not able to see what God's wanting to do or saying to us because we're focused on whatever enemy or attack the enemy has on us. So I think you're accurate. And for those who uh, may question the reality of this, Sandy, you have a story to tell about a bell ringing, don't you, in the backyard of your house? Jeez. Oh, thanks, Mike. (laughs) So now they'll know. Um, Yes. um, I... I knew about spiritual warfare a little bit, some experience to where I could actually have thoughts in my head and stuff and say, this can't be of God, and I would pray and they'd go away. I had not had um, seriously physical warfare that I identified with until this bell ringing. It's a big brass bell um, on my porch, and... um, I was outside getting some fresh air, you know, hanging outside, and it was in the middle of the night. I was having trouble sleeping, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And no wind, no wind at all. And (laughs) this big bell started ringing really loud, and it wouldn't stop. And I ran in the house, (laughs) and I freaked out and started praying. The next morning, I ran into the office and ran into Mike's office and had like this major, what the heck is going on here? And we talked about it and that kind of stuff. And so Dusty and I prayed about it. And because to me, there, it was the strangest thing. I had never had that before. The bell was just clanging and clanging. And I was scared, and I didn't know what it meant. And I'm talking to Mike, and I'm talking to my husband, thinking I'm a little bit whacked. And um, we just kept praying about it. Well, something else was going on again, and I'm outside. I do a lot of thinking and praying in the middle of the night. And I live in a really beautiful area, so I think it's a blessing from God. So I go outside. And again, this bell started clanging. I kid you not, no wind nothing and it would have to be a pretty big wind to clang the bell like it was it was clanging so loud it woke my son up and he's like mom what is that and i'm like it's the dang bell and i finally just said enough enough you are not going to scare me (laughs) this is unacceptable and i started praying and the bell stopped and it hasn't rang since. When you say big, you mean like a six, seven, or eight inch diameter or something? Oh yeah, it's and it's solid, heavy brass. I'd say, how big is that? About eight inches. Yeah, about eight inches. So that's just not a little tinkle bell. No, it's not a wind chime. It's a <laughs> bell. It's a bell to call the dogs and horses. It's a big bell. So. And so, really, isn't a part of the enemy's tactic to try and intimidate us with fear. I mean, you're making an impact, an impact on people's lives. And if he can terrify you into backing down, then, you know, then what happens? So basically you stood up and took up your authority as a daughter in Christ, correct? 
Yes. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. It was scaring me. It was intimidating me. I thought I was going crazy. And I didn't think you and Dusty were listening to me about this dinging bell. Um, so I was feeling alone and isolated that I was crazy because, but it was very real. Mm. And my son even can tell you, he heard it. So yeah, the, if we're isolated, he can attack us. So. And part of warfare, overcoming in warfare, is to ram our stake in the ground with the truth that you know, what does God says? He says, I will never leave you or forsake you, so we are never alone. He says many times in Scripture, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. That's Isaiah 41.10. So if we had let the enemy shake us around like um, a salt shaker, then, you know, we're going to be just flopping around the wind, and that's exactly what he wants. And a ministry like this, that is breaking people free from strongholds, from porn addiction and sex, sex addiction. This is a frontline ministry, and the enemy doesn't just play tiddlywinks here. He plays for keeps. So when you're in a battle, you don't just he doesn't lob marshmallows at you. <laughs> he knows where the weak spots are, and that's that's the way it is for all of you, husbands and wives, to realize you are in a battle for your life, for your marriage. You cannot sit back and do nothing. You have to stand up and you have to fight and you have to take some action steps. And Sandy, when you're walking with women in the groups, can you give us what maybe the top two or three things are that the women struggling with or what is really taking them down or they need, they need, that they need help with? One or two. Mm. I think one of the biggest things is um, expecting, um, having expectations of what God's um, work looks like. You know, if if my husband was healing and doing the walk, he would act this way. He would do this. He would, um, as one of my ladies said, we should be seeing the fruit um, of God's work. And I think that's true. However, we don't know what God's work looks like. And if we have our own perceptions of what God's work looks like, we're probably missing what he's doing. Mm. So I think one of the biggest things is women, people, not just women, people have an, an expectation of what God's work looks like. If we expect it to look like B and we're over here looking for it, looking for it. We're missing A, A and C and D and E because God's busy doing these things, but we're focused on that. So I think women, people, um, one of the biggest challenges is getting us to quit expecting what God's work looks like. Mm. The second one um, is having finding someone safe to talk to um a lot of times they someone safe to talk to doesn't always mean somebody um who agrees with oh you're right he's he's a crumb bum oh you're right he's this sometimes someone safe to talk to is somebody that loves you enough to say this is what it looks like could it be possibly this? 
So not only safe and not judging you and that kind of stuff, but safe and trying to get you to see maybe what God's will is versus just agreeing with you and keeping you in the anger and frustration and all those things. But somebody safe to say, hey, that's not true. <clears throat> well, in your own story, I think you'd mentioned where um, you were getting people, friends, your friends saying things like, poisoning you with anger and why don't you just quit and leave and isn't it critical to use wisdom when you're looking for somebody who's safe oh definitely um definitely and that's poisoning that's a good word for it um a lot of times you'll get once a cheater always a cheater and and those kind of things and again if we have expectations or we're being influenced by those type of people um are we going to see what God's doing? We're going to be focused on what that's going on. And, you know, so having safe people that can be honest, um, they definitely need to be believers and strong in their faith. Otherwise, they can lead us down a really ugly path to where we're angry and bitter for a long time. But your feelings real. I mean, you need to express that and be able to share, barf it up, whatever you want to call it, but don't stay there. And so you have to have discernment with who you stay hanging out with because they'll just feed that and keep you there. And that's not healing at all. And Unfortunately, from stories I think we've all heard um, where wives have come to us for help and we've heard things where they've said things like, well, you just need to submit to your husband even though he has a porn addiction or it's the wife's fault because she's not giving him enough sex what would you say to those things mike knows i have no filter sometimes <laughs> um i'm trying to be good um i say that's garbage that is seriously garbage we are not when you submit and your husband's lusting, you feel cheap, you feel used, you feel, t to tell a woman your husband's lusting after porn or this and that, but you need to have more sex with him, is just an insult. Mm. It's degrading. Um, it's like, he's not valuing me who I am. He's not valuing who I am in Christ. I'm precious. I'm a gift. I'm his gift. And he's walking on me. No, I'm not going to have more sex with him. That's horrible. I don't want to cheapen myself. I think that's garbage. Women should not be told that. We are precious. We're not a thing, an object. Sorry. You said. <laughs> This is the restrained Sandy. <laughs> and I want to plumb this a little deeper. What do you think is going on in a church that would say those things to women? I have to be careful because I do have a heart um, for pastors, and I think they're under attack a lot. But when you're saying stuff like that, it's... I don't understand. I don't understand. I would pray a lot for that church. I would pray a lot for those leaders. Um, I would pray for those women would stand up and say, no, that's wrong. Um, 
I just want, I don't want to believe anybody's purposely going down the wrong path because they're pastors, they have a heart. There's ministry leaders that have a heart. But I'd ask God to really speak to them and open their eyes and heart to their adding to wounds when they tell people you're not valuable enough to be respected and cherished. Mm. I think it's horrible. Um, but I also, the sandy side of me that you like to bring out sometimes <laughs> would want to shake those people and say, what are you doing? You're breaking them. Um, it's just hard. It's, but I also know they may not know. Maybe they've never walked it. They've never had somebody degrade them and keep pounding it on top of it. So, and I'm not bringing these things out to judge or condemn, but part of what we do is we want to bring things open into the light because you can't have healing if you're just shoving things under the carpet and if you just keep doing the same thing you always done. We will never have the healing and revival in the church I think that we all are looking for, and that's the whole direction that I think we all want to take with this. It's not to sit there and lay the sledgehammer down. Exactly. But you do want to shake them. <laughs> and, you know, just say, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know where they are or what they're going through, but I'd really like to ask them if a pastor said that to a wife. I'd love to have the opportunity and say, why did you say that? Do you really believe that? Do you not see their value? I'd love to understand where they're coming from when they say stuff like that. Mm. So I wouldn't just judge them, but... Please explain to me why you feel that way. I don't think we get that opportunity. And Sandy, you get phone calls from ladies who are pastors' wives, and I would imagine they have even even harder because for a pastor's wife to reach out for help means she's going to be at some level she has to expose what her husband is who is being looked at to, you know, what he's going through, but Talk about what a pastor's wife is going through when her husband is viewing pornography. Wow. Those are some of the most difficult. And you know we've had several. Because um, I have to ask you to help pray for us. Um, there is so much betrayal. I believe those ladies feel, at least they share, their husband, they sit there watching their husband give sermons about forgiveness and repentance and, you know, trying to live as God wants us to live when they know what they're doing or what they've been busted doing or what's been exposed. And they feel a huge betrayal. They feel very, very isolated. I think to some point they're even mad and angry at God because it's hard to sit there and watch somebody preach to other people when you know what they're doing. Mm. My heart hurts for them, and we do a lot of extra prayers for them. Mm. The time we have left, Sandy, what would you say to the church at large that we need to do about this epidemic of sexual sin in the church? Uh, talk about it. <laughs> actually be honest and open, um, not pretend it's not there, because the more we pretend it's not there, the more shame 
it's like, well, if I can't talk about sex or my problems in church, then I must, I just need to keep hiding them and keep hiding them and keep hiding them. And then pretty soon you've got several decades of hiding. Mm. And churches, I don't, you know, I don't know why. I'm not a pastor or anything like that. I don't know why we can't talk about it. And what would you close, what would your words be to the wife who's suffering right now and is listening to you speak? You are precious. You are so precious to God. Um, And don't be alone. Ask him to open doors. Ask him to reach out to us reach out to Blazing Grace, jump into a group, jump into somebody that you can talk to. Stay, get out of isolation, mm. and you're not crazy. That's good. And on that note, I do want to encourage you, if you're listening, please don't just sit there in isolation. Please give us a call because those wounds are not going to heal on their own. The bitterness isn't going to go away on its own. Same thing for the men. We hear too many emails from wives who are saying, my husband is sitting there and doing nothing. Do not sit there and do nothing. So I look forward to seeing you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.